This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We started this teaching this morning, and I bless God for it. And I'm, I'm believing that it's causing you to think on some things and meditate on some things and to be serious about your walk with God. And we started over in John 17 and we was looking at Jesus. Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus knew what he was, he came for. He knew that he wasn't, didn't come here to stay. He even rebuked Peter when he was like, oh God, no, I don't want you to go out. I know exactly what I'm coming for. Because why? It was just a dispensation. It was a, it was the right time. It was the time that God needed him to be where he needed to be. He knew he was on a time. Once you know that you're on a time, a schedule, when you know that you have already been predestined with a with a start time and a finish time and it's already set then all you have to do is say I'm going to work until it's time so then I can say just like Jesus said the time has come for me to glorify you for you to be glorified in my life we can all do that we all have to do that this is what it's all about. At the end of the day, we want to glorify God. At the end of the day, we want to say, God, the, everything that you've told me to do, everything you've called me to do, every assignment you've given me, everything that you've, you've, you've pressed in my heart to do, I'm going to get it done. We talked with, I don't want to go through all of the deal. I want to come back to just where we were because I have a lot of notes and I don't want to run out of time on those. And I think we kind of stopped at, we were talking about uh, not wasting time. And that's where we want to pick up. The importance to fi- understand that time is not yours. Time belongs to God. You, I mean, you, you cannot, if you think the time is yours, you can control when you leave and how long you stay. and You'll stay as long as you want. You have no control over that. Time is God. He has dispensed to you a portion of time. He's already predetermined what you're to do in that time. He sets you in a local church, up under a pastor, up under a ministry, up under a vision, up under a work. And he says, now this is where I want you to work and this is what I want you to do. I'm going I'm to guide you through the teaching of what you are to do. Now, doing, doing all of that that he's doing, you still, you're still living your natural life with things coming up. And things. you got to learn how to understand, i got to divide that. I will not let that interfere with the purpose. Purpose is bigger. Purpose is bigger. Purpose is going to last beyond your little trials that you're going through in marriage, your financial issues, those things that are just come and go back and forth. But purpose overrides all of that. So I must make sure that I'm on purpose. I cannot waste any more time. We wasted enough time. I told you, if tomorrow catches you off guard, it's because you sleep today. Today is going to always dictate you your tomorrows. You don't have to be surprised. If you pay attention, if you're awake, today is an indicator of what's going to be happening tomorrow. You have to be on that in your mind. 
Are you with me? How do you know that, Sister Hill? I told you. Because, li- listen, this is what you need to understand. Wherever your life is today, whatever's going on in your life right here, right now, know this. It was not because of bad luck. It was not because of bad circumstances. It was not because of anything that was said or done. Everything, where your life is today, and all of that is a result of choices over time. It's not, you can say, oh, you know, I just had bad luck. You know, I always end up with something bad luck. No, no, no. It was choices. And it was over a period of time that got you just where you are today. So if your life is not where you want it, your choices got you there. You can't blame it on anyone else. You chose. You can't blame it on your spouse. You can't blame it on your boss. You can't blame it on your children. You can't blame it on your husband. You can't blame it on your wife. Your choice got you where you are today. Good, bad, or indifferent. Whatever you are, choices over a period of time have gotten you there. I would think if you would look back on it, you would say to yourself, you know what, I need to make wiser choices. I need God to direct me how to choose because my life is a hot mess from choices I've made. Choices have got you where you are today. All the way, all the way up to this very moment, choices got you there. I know we love to blame it on somebody else. We love to act like this is what happened and this, you know, I was molested when I was a child and I was this, that, and no. All of those things might have really happened. You might have had some hard times like, but, excuse me, at a certain point, you had choices to make. And you made them. So I want you to meditate on that for just a second. Where you are today. Right where you are today. I know. You can look at it and say, oh Lord, what did I do? Yeah. It was your choice. Right today. And choices over time is predetermining your tomorrow. Right now. Now watch this. Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. That's where I left off. Ephesians chapter 5. Go there. I don't hear any pages turning. Were you all already there preparing? If you are, you are good. <laughs> mm. Beginning at chapter, uh, chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Wherefore he said, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming or making good the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Church, listen to what he's saying. He's saying, walk circumspectly or purposefully. Walk purposefully. 
See, when I'm walking personally, I'm going to walk in a certain way. Now, how can you walk personally, listen, if you have not established in your mind where you're going? How can you? See, it sounds good. Oh, I'm going to walk purposely. But have you established in your mind where you're going? You can't walk purposefully if you don't know where you're going. If you have nowhere to go. If you don't know where you're going, you just... That's not purposefully. Are you with me? If you have not established where you're trying to get, you are walking like a fool. That's what the Bible says. Don't walk like a fool. So if you're walking and you don't know where you're going, you're walking like a fool. A a fool walks around like, you know, with no sense of the end destination. Only a fool does that. Don't know how the end is going to be, just walking. That's why he said, wake up! Wake up! Everybody, get up! And if your mind is not on where you're trying to get to, you're acting like a fool. See, so you just, just, just randomly, anything, you do any old thing, go any old place. Because I don't have nowhere to go. I don't know where to go. You know, you, you know, when we used to live in our neighborhoods growing up and stuff, if you saw somebody walking in the neighborhood, walking down the street, back around, what would you call each other? Now, he's a fool. He a, why? Because you think of people that are fools that just walking, going nowhere. Like all day long, he's just been walking back and forth. What a fool. That's what you say about people that just walking with no destination in mind, just back and forth. Well, some of you are walking in the neighborhood of your lives, walking around and going nowhere. Just round and around and around. Same old thing. Round. Let me tell you, when you have cycles in your life, know that you're just walking around as a fool. Notice, because why does it keep coming back to the same thing? Because I'm walking around in the same circle. Nothing, no, not purposefully. Just doing the same thing, saying the same thing, getting mad about the same thing, acting a fool. Just walking around as a fool. He said, don't walk as fools. Not knowing, not purposefully. Not knowing where you're going. And it's no way that not anybody that belongs to Church of the Living Water should not know where they're going. With all the teaching we get. You should have a destination. You should see the destination. You should know the destination. You should be purposefully getting to that destination. See, we're busy trying to find out what is the destination so my life can be better. See, all we're thinking about is trying to make it good here. And this is temporal. So you just... Just, just walking, just any kind, doing any old kind of thing, hanging out with any old kind of body, just doing, just, just walking as a fool. I know I, it's quiet for a reason. It's quiet for a reason. Watch this, verse sixteen. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding. What the will of the Lord is. Come on now. How can you walk if you don't know the will of God? How? If you don't know what the will of the Lord is, how can you walk purposefully? 
I don't know what God... Well, how are you walking purposefully? You're not. You're walking as a fool. You don't even know what the will of the Lord is. Should not be once named among us. The purpose of this whole teaching is, I said it before in previous teaching, I want to assure that we finish this work that God has called us to. We must finish it. If you're here and you belong here and you know God, if you're here and you belong here and you know God, God has given you some things to work on every time you hear a message. He's given you things to work on. And I want you to finish it. I want you to complete it. I want you to complete what God has given you. But here's the thing. You have to finish it, or you got to complete it in a dispensation of time. In the dispensation of time that God gives you. You can't, you can't complete it when you want to. See, you can't just get caught up in your life and what you're doing, and I'll get to you, God, in a minute. Oh, okay, God, I know you told me that, but not right now. i got to first do this. and then you, No, God has given you a predestined time, a defined span of time for you to get it done. You have to get it done within that time. You won't have any other time to do it. You can't do it when you want to. It's God that's giving you what to do. You have to complete the work in this time, in this dispensation. We have to be wall builders in this dispensation. I also want to assure us to finish the work of the ministry for this dispensation. You know what? I just want to see. What is the essential, the essential thing of the church, of this church? What is essential? What is the essential work of this church? I say it loud. I can't hear whispering. If, if you know, what is the essential work of the church? Pardon? Restoring this generation. See, you should know that. We've taught that. That's the essential work. If it's, if it's essential work, that means everything that's coming with it, it has to be a part of it. They've got to be restored. That's what, the, I told you, we're weaving in and out. The essential work is to restore a generation. Restore this generation. Now, understand this. This generation is not going to be this generation forever. It's just a dispensation of time for them as well. Because this generation that we're trying to restore, they were once teenagers. That dispensation is closed. Now they're young adults. And they're not going to be young adults long. They're going to go into another dispensation and then they're going to get old. All of it is just a dispensation of time. It's not, you got to get it done within the time because it's moving on. Some of you in here, I remember when you were teenagers. Now you're grown, your parents and you, you this, that, and other. That dispensation is gone. I don't even see you as a child anymore. Because it's gone. Some of you still want to be treated like a child, but you're not a child anymore. 
That work is finished. Church concerning the generation of of this generation and restoring it, you know, because this generation didn't listen when we were trying to get them to hear, now we have to steal time to get you where you need to be. We got to steal time from another because this where we. The scriptures tell you, where you ought to be teachers, you got to be taught again. It means I got to steal some time from somewhere else to teach you what we taught all the time. And you didn't want to listen then. But see, you're not teenagers no more. Now you're young adults. You kind of want to hear. You're not really going to want to hear until you're older. But we still got to teach you. We still got to restore you. Now we have to steal time. See, we're not borrowing it. We're stealing it. And we have to do work we didn't get to do. You have to hear work. You got to hear it over again. You got to do work that you didn't do. Because at the time that we should have had generations of people that can complete something and go on to the next, we having to go and restore you. We got to restore you. That's sad, but it's true. Why are we spending time restoring a generation that should be on point? Restoring a generation that God told us a decade earlier to pay attention to them. And when we tried to pay attention to you and give you what you needed, oh, you fought us tooth and nail. Because I want to do my own thing. They don't understand. They don't get it. They don't know. They not. I, I don't trust what they're saying. I don't believe what they're saying. I don't know if that's all that. I do what I... I'm grown. Now we're having to restore you. What's this here? How do you know? Some might be bad. Why, if that was so, why don't we have the young adults up here teaching? Because you're not ready. Because you can't. You have nothing. And it is what it is. We go, you know what? Let's get real. What can you get up here and teach? No, you can't, you can't, you can't teach nothing until you're first restored. I know you have a zeal, but it's not according to knowledge. And we're not going to get up here and let you make a fool of us and yourself, and certainly not of God. We've got to restore you. I'll listen intently, and I learned that from my pastor. I listen intently how you talk. I listen to everything you say. I want to see if you have impact. I teach for impact. I post for impact. Not for likes, not to make you like me, not to impress you. Just for impact. And when I hear young adults of this generation that need to be restored, I'm listening for impact and I don't hear it. Where's the impact? Because you're hurting. And I get it. You're hurting now. Because see, you're not a teenager anymore. 
I bought my grandson a t-shirt and it's very apropos. It says, don't grow up too fast. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to grow up so fast. You, now you're finding out it was a trap. You thought that's what you wanted. But you can't do nothing for God. You're all tied down with everything. You can't even grab this revelation. Because if you could, I would hear you call yourself a wall builder. I would see you not only calling yourself one, but doing something that wall builders do. Now listen to me. Teenagers didn't stay teenagers. And we wasted time. Now you're a young adult. And in another ten years you're going to be old. That's about ten. You're going to be old. And I'm trying to teach you something. Listen. We have a generation that is lost and hurting. Why? Because you've been devalued and I get it. When we were trying to tell you you were being devalued, you didn't want to hear you, but you were. But God has now given us, listen, a second opportunity. Grab this. Hold on. He's given us a second opportunity to do the first work. Now see, that was a time to shout. But this, but guess what? God said, but tell him there will not be a third. There will not be a third. Did you get that? You got a second opportunity to do the first work. But he said that will not be a third. You better make good this time. That will not. You heard it here and you'll hear it and it's going to ring out through the annals of time. That will not be a third time. Now God has given us another plan. When he gave us the dispensation. He said, go get those same children that rebelled, who are now grown and having babies, and heal their hurts. We're still in time for that time, but God says, but you got to do it. Heal their hurts. Repair the breaches. The, the breaches where we couldn't get along and there's no, you know, we, there's a division. You don't think like I'm thinking that. He said, repair them. This is the time. He said, bring them home. Bring them home. Teach them who they are. But also let them know, there will not be a plan three. There will not be a plan three. Now, we're either going to complete this thing or we're not. We're either going to complete it or we're not. My whole goal of this whole teaching is to make sure that we finish every dispensation. And we have to have objectives to do that. we got to see where we're going. And I want to bring it and tie it all in. And I want to teach you line upon line, precept upon precept. Number one, I want you to understand the importance of completing something. You have to understand. It's important for me to complete something. I want to tell you, I want you to understand, why do I not finish? Why don't I finish? I need to know why. Because there's a reason why you don't finish. There's a reason why you don't finish. 
And again, I want you to see the end and then come back at the beginning and get started. I want us to get serious about time. Maximize that time. Because we already know we are allotted only a certain amount. Just a dispenser full of time. And you got to recognize it. But this is my favorite one I want to teach on. And I'm like, God, this is good. Listen, because see, you've already missed it. You've already missed it. And, 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 and this is what gives me... I want to personally teach you how to start over. Now listen to me closely. Because a lot of people, since we've started to teach it on dispensation since the beginning of the year and back when I came back and, and I started teaching on that, a lot of people say, you know what, Sister Hill, I, I missed. I missed some dispensations, some different things in my life. I just, I just missed it. You know, God wanted me to get to a certain place and I wasn't there. And, you know, just, just, you know, people just personally telling me, you know, I missed the opportunities that He gave me. And they would say, I knew what God wanted me to do, but I was just doing my own thing. And, you know, but I know, I know, you know, what do you do when you miss all of that? And you knew, like I said, I knew what God wanted me to do. They, he told me, I knew it, but I had my own selfish stuff. In my, what? I, how do I start over? Now, listen to me. I'm going to teach you how to start over, but guess what? I'm not going to take you back to the beginning. Because that time is over. See, we think it's starting over. It's like, let's go back to the beginning. No, no. I can't take you back to the beginning because that's gone. You can't go back there. You can't go back there. But here's the good thing. This is the great thing. The great thing is that you're still alive. And if you're still alive, you still got another chance. And you has got another dispensation because you're still here. So see, I told you, you don't have to, I mean, you, you might be a little down because you didn't do certain things, but there's still hope. And it's what you do with it. If you're still here, you, get, you got another dispensation. There won't be a third. You better get it in this one. If you are still breathing, it's another dispensation coming. And you got to start that one right. Start it the right way. Start it the right way. You have to start it the right way. Don't do your own thing. Start this one the right way. Don't, don't, don't go. Everything that you've done before, drop it. Start this one the right way. Can't, I can't worry about the last one that I was in. Because remember, remember what we said. When a dispensation closed, then comes judgment. So the one that you didn't do, you've already got judgment on that. We can't go back to that. The judgment's already set on that one. But you've got another one coming. That one's set. See, I don't know what people think that they're going to, that, 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 that when they get to heaven, they just think God is just going to just talk to them. You've got judgments coming. By everything. The Bible says you're going to be judged on everything you've done in the flesh. Ain't nothing going to get past. So what you didn't do and what you wouldn't do and what you thought you knew more than and you thought you knew more than pastor. You thought you knew more than Sister Hill. You thought you knew more than all the ministers. That has already been judged. We won't go back there. We can't go back there. That's closed. Just say, Father, thank you. Another one's coming.
Another one's coming. I've already been judged. But I got another one coming. And then we have to complete things within this dispensation that we're in. Complete it. Complete it. Make sure it's done. We want to be like Jesus and just, just drop our heads when we get through and say it is finished. And why this just, just church must finish. Now, John 17, we can go back there. That's where we started. We deal, we, we deal with the importance of maximizing this dispensation. Well, let's, let's deal with that right now. Let me go over to John 17 and rest there. Understand this. Where there is no completion, there will never be any rest. Wherever you're, whenever you're not completing something, there will be no rest. Get it? There will be no rest. You cannot rest until you complete something. Well, sister, here, where did you get that from? Well, Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says when God finished creating the heavens and the earth, He rested. Now, we know that when we say rested, we're not talking about you're tired and you're going to do it. Actually, you wouldn't change that at all if you changed that word rested to peace. You're not going to have any peace until you complete something. You're not going to have any peace until you complete something. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, when the children of Israel, when they were faced with, with uh, whether or not they were going to the promised land, you all remember that? They made a decision not to trust God. They said, oh, no, we're not going to trust it. And God told them, and there will be no rest for you. That's fine. There'll be no rest for you. That's why a lot of you in this generation, that's why you don't have peace now. Because there's no rest. You haven't completed. And you won't get rest. You belong to Him. He's given you an assignment to do. There will be no rest. They spent, Israel spent 40 years wandering around the wilderness until they all died out. That's called no rest. Why? Because they didn't complete anything. They did not finish what was started. Some of you are in a restless state of life right now. And it's all because you've never completed anything. You never completed the call. You never completed the assignment. You never completed anything that God asked you to do. You haven't completed it. And you have a restless life. It's a restless life. And guess what? Sitting around complaining about being restless and all of that is not going to make it any better. So you can stop that. It's not going to make it any better. As a matter of fact, it's going to get worse until you complete something. It's just going to get worse. See, the children of Israel, they thought when they got out of Egypt, they thought they completed everything. They're like, oh, we got this. But it wasn't. It wasn't a completion. They thought when they crossed the Red Sea, oh, we completed it. But it wasn't. See, we get one little victory and we, we, we got it. Remember, they thought matter from heaven. That's it. We're done. We're good. We've completed it. They thought the water from the rock was a completion, and it wasn't. The completion was getting into the promised land. 
Because that's what God promised them. But all along the way when things happened, every time they thought that was it. You get one little victory and you think you have completed a work. It's just a mere stepping stone getting you to the promise. And I taught in an earlier lesson, that's what God said. I want you all to stop talking about the promises. I want you to live it. I want you to live in the promise. See, you can't live in the promise until you complete something. Most Christians have never lived in the promise. Oh, we can quote them. And we'll say it belongs to us, but you don't live in them. God said, I need you living in that promise. You can choose not to complete something. You can choose not to finish. Listen. But when you choose that, See, I'm not saying you see, you know what I'm not going to do. No, you choose it when you're just going to rebel against God. When you hear a message, you be like, no, I don't think that's right. Or you try to fight. Let me tell you, as long as you choose not to complete something, expect not to get rest. Expect not to have peace. Why is it important to be complete something? Because you need the peace. Because when you choose, to complete something, let me tell you. And if you, when you choose, let me tell me, when you choose not to complete something, it's so many painful adjustments that keeps going on in your life. Haven't you felt them? And it's all because you choose something different from what God says. And so I'm trying to adjust my life, and it's painful here, and this happening. I'm crying this day, and then I'm stop crying, and then I'm okay, and then I'm back, and then I'm trying to adjust, and then I'm piecing this together, and broken pieces, and trying to put it all together. It's all painful, all because you won't complete something. You won't complete one thing. I told you to think this morning, the one thing that you brought into maturity. And perfection, and it's working excellent now. Painful, painful adjustments. You know, all of us like that song, I look back over my life. Oh, we can sing that. Look back over my life. Well, look back over it right now. Look back over your life and see the areas that you did not complete. And you can see over all the times, through all these years, remember, all the things you didn't complete, think about all the painful adjustments that went with it. You went through many painful adjustments. Still going through them. It's difficult. In other words, when you don't complete something, it makes life harder. Harder. And it makes it harder for the next dispensation. See, this is what you've got to understand. Remember, another one's coming. But you haven't finished that one. And so the next one is going to be harder. And you know why? Probably because you stole time from it. And now that dispensation don't have enough time to get what it needs to be done. Because it's lacking the time. You have to use it. You stole it. It makes the next dispensation very, very hard. How many of you know that there's some things in our life that just harder than they have to be? It's just harder than they have to be. It's because there's no rest. It didn't have to be that hard because you didn't complete it. You didn't complete what God asked you to do. In the last dispensation. Now you're trying to make some adjustments. Again, throwing anything together in this dispensation. 
And life is harder than it, than it has to be. Just a hard life. When you don't complete becoming holy. Oh, here we go. You end up doing the same thing. Making painful adjustments. When you don't complete being righteous. Painful adjustments. When you don't complete raising your children. When you don't complete your marriage. Now see, just being in a marriage don't mean you've completed it. God knows all about it. See, we can show people on the outside everything we want them to see. But God knows the real deal. You can't complete nothing else, but all of a sudden you can complete a marriage. Mm-mm. No. You might stay married, but you ain't completed it. You can't. What? So I can, I, I, can, I can mess up everything and not finish anything with that, but marriage, I got that. No. You're not gonna, you, you can't complete it either. When you don't complete something, you find yourself always making adjustments. Adjustments. That's why you need to finish. That's why you need to complete something. It's important. You know why you have to, it's important to complete something? Because it's your life's work. It's your life's work. So, Sister Hill, are you saying because I haven't finished nothing, I ain't done nothing with my life's work? Yeah. Because when you complete it, it shows your life's work. See, when I found a pastor left, his life's work is still here. He completed it. It's up to here. What? If you left today, if you left today, what could have been completed? What would you have been completed that can go on in excellence, in maturity? What? Oh, we're trying to make sure that you don't do the second death. Remember the second death? Well, nobody mentions you. I want you to get this, church. We have to get this. We have to. We have to understand, you know what, I've got to complete something. And I've got to make sure it comes into maturity. And I've got to make sure that it continues in excellence. Now, some things may take a whole, your whole lifetime to get done. Listen, but you still have to complete it. If it takes your whole lifetime. It took Joshua his whole lifetime. Did you know that? It took Joshua's whole life to get his family where he wanted them. But at the end of his life he said, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And he said, Now if it seems evil to you, you choose who you're going to serve. Listen. This is what we need to understand. Joshua didn't say that at the beginning of his life. He did not make that statement at the beginning of his life. He made that statement, listen, after first being in Egypt. He went through some things. He made that statement after wandering around in the wilderness because of other people's disobedience. He made that statement 
after having to lead his family and the people over the Jordan. We're talking about years. Then, and not, not to even mention the battles that he went through. And the wars and the fights and the struggles. See, we oh, we love to, you know, but at the end, when he completed the work, he said, ask for me in my house. But he completed it. See, you can only say that when you complete something. When you finish something. You know, everybody want to read Joshua, you know, oh, you know, saying, ask for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, that wasn't a day one statement. That's your day one statement. You know, your house is all going, but I'm just saying, ask for me in my house. Well, have you completed anything? Joshua said this on his way out. He didn't say, ask for me in my house, I think they're going to serve the God. He said, oh, no, no, I put it in. Now, that's called putting in the work. And where he can say, I know they're going to serve the Lord. That's called putting in the word. Now you just quoting it, that's nothing. Just because you quoting don't make it so. We love to ask for me in my house. We're going to serve the Lord. That statement that Joshua said, that wasn't a confession. That was a declaration he was making. Because he'd been through some things. We're trying to use it as a confession. Ask for me and my house. No, it wasn't a confession for him. He was making a declaration. They're going to serve the Lord. I taught them everything I've been through. They've watched my life. I've made sure. Joshua was not confessing something that he hoped for. Something that he would hope. I just hope that happened. He wasn't. He wasn't confessing something that he hoped God would do for him. You know that thought God might do it for me. You know because I've been working in the vineyard. And if I can muster up enough faith, He'll make sure my whole family. Is. He was declaring what was going to happen. Why? Because he completed something. He, another one, had a finisher's mentality. What most of God's people don't have. So you can't boldly say that you can quote it, but you can't boldly assure yourself of that. Joshua was assured of that. All because he completed something. He completed what God had given him. You can have confidence when you complete something. Everything that God said He would do, He's going to do. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to build up faith to get it. I've completed His work. God will not fail. And He didn't fail Joshua. And He won't fail you. Finish it. Completed. Then say, as for me and my house, me and my family, we shall serve the Lord. Complete something. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I have to complete this work. I have to. I said, I have to. It's important for me 
And it should be important for you that you maximize this dispensation. That I feel and I maximize. Why? Because we have become a generation of non-finishers. Our children watch their parents not finishing anything and they grow up to do the exact same thing. Just non-finishers. And you know who you are, and you know where you are. Deal with it. See, for us, this is what, because see, we're Americanized, instead of understanding the kingdom. We think that having a nice car and having a nice house means I'm a finisher. Having a good job. You know, we get all boastful about our little job. I think the boast is the one that don't have to work. They can live just as good as you, but you just, you, you know, you boasting about your job, but you got to go in. But see, we, we, we relate all of that to, I've arrived, I've finished, I've done something, I've completed a work. Let the world tell you that. I said, let the world tell you that. Listen, we confuse all of that. I got a nice car now. I just bought a car. I just bought a house. You don't complete your jobs. You jump from job to job. You don't complete your marriage. Divorce is out of control in the body of Christ as a whole. You don't complete anything. You know... Years ago, our foreparents, they stayed married. They made plans. They would get together, and they might not knew everything that you know today, but they would get, and, and I mean, a man would, would be with a wife, and he'd say, you know, I may not know everything, but you know what, I'm not leaving you. And they would stay there. They would not leave. They'd stay there. They would, they would have, they'd say, and we're going to have children. We have eight of them in a three-bedroom house. And all of them are going to go to college. And you say, how can all of them go to college? There's eight of them. And Mama, she, she cleans houses. And, and you, it, it don't matter. All I know is we're going to make it work. You can't read, Dad. Mom's working and cleaning houses. He said, I might can't read, but my eight children are going to learn to read. And your mother, yes, she might be working and cleaning somebody's house, but she'll be the last person with my last name that'll ever clean a house. How did they have eight children in center school? They just did it! But now, we got all the gizmos and gadgets and all of the stuff now. And we can't, we don't even know where, where our child, how are we going to get them to college? You got one or two children. Because they knew how to complete something. 
We got everything working. We got all of the, oh, we got so many gadgets out. I mean, you got the little ones and the big ones. And the, I mean, all, every, I'm telling you, worse than Ariel. Got all the gizmos and gadgets. Everything up under the sea. You, everything. And cannot finish one thing. Can't complete one thing. Can't complete nothing. We know how to work them. But completing what God wants, they just did it. They put their, their heads to the grind. They maximized the dispensation they were in. They maximized it. You know what they did? They would establish something from the beginning. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have eight children. And they're all going to count it. See, see, they saw it. We'd be like, whoo, I can't get the one out. Yeah, because you don't see the end. They would do that and see the end and pray their way through. Sometimes people there in wealthy families and the wealthy uh, um Children, they feel like, I don't have to go to college. You know, my parents own this business and I can just get it. You don't go to college to, to take over your parents' business. You go to college to learn to complete something, of course. You don't have to go. You know, I don't feel like I need to because I have a position. That's my parents' place. I'm like, that's all fine and well. And you can study in any, any, you can major in any thing you want, but you need to go to just learn how to complete, if it's nothing else. Let somebody be the benefactors of you completing something. My sons are the benefactors of what their father completed. Your children, let me tell you, Tatia and Raya, you're the benefactor of your father completing something. Now you now you can piss on it if you want to, but you it's there, and many have. You'll get a, you're you're a benefactor from people that complete something. Don't just walk all over it. Thank God that they completed something. Now I can jump on and I can go. I latch on. So what? I do better than them. I go further than them. But they gave it. They, they paid it. They finished something so I could get started. Some of you, your parents finished stuff for you to get started and you just want to run off and get married. Well, no, I ain't going to even say that. You want to run off and have sex. Because that's all a lot of people think marriage is until they get into marriage. Bills will make you leave sex way along. You'd be like, oh, you know, well, we need some groceries. And sex ain't won't satisfy. I mean, that hunger, that's a different kind of appetite. You need some eggs and bacon. And we think we want marriage. We think we want children. We think it's all a fun thing until you do it. And yeah, let me tell you. You learn some things. You learn some things quickly. 
Are you with me? You know the most likely people to withdraw their membership from a church? It's this generation. Notice. It's mostly always this generation. They're most likely to, to pick up and just go. And they said something to me. And I'm getting out of the church of living water. But you know what the saddest part about that is? A lot of them, when they leave, they actually leave Christianity. It ain't like they go to another church. At least go somewhere. They, they, they call themselves starting off going somewhere. Then they don't even go. That's called leaving Christianity. You know, if you don't, at least go some, go to, uh, just leave it all together. But most likely this generation. Who holds the church up here? It's mostly all the elder people. This elder in the ministry. You look at the tithe roster. The ones that do all the tithing are the elders. That's holding up everything. It's not this generation. That's sad. That's sad. When it's coming down to counting over with the people that's going to participate in something, most of the time it's going to be the ones that's the elders. We've got to try to find and pull and prod this generation. When you coming back to church? Where you been? Where you it's, you usually it's very rare that you have to do that with the elders. It's usually this generation you have to. What's going on? How you doing? When you coming? Notice. You find out that. The ones that, a lot of them that leave here and they leave Christianity, they back drinking, smoking, partying, sleeping around, whoremongering, not even back in church. Oh, you know, they first start that way because they want to get back to you. I want you to know we go to another church. But they never, it never ends that way. I, let me tell you, it's textbook 101. It always starts that way until they don't even go. Everybody say none finishers. It's one thing to get bent out of church, uh, out of shape at this church. It's another thing to not go at all. And then you go and get into a body and, go, and, and just showing your ignorance in the things of God. God places you in the body as He sees fit. You can't go your own there, but now you can go. But that's why you can't stay. God places you in the body as He sees fit. Some of you, now, uh, elder people, they're smart enough to know, even if they was offended or, or offended or whatever, they stay put. They know that God places you in the body as He sees fit. Sometimes God puts you under a hard taskmaster because He's trying to drive something out of you. And you run to get up under a, a cushion to keep you in as much bondage as you have. If, if we just learn this one thing, every time God moves, the enemy moves too. See, everybody thinks once God moves, I got to know. Once God moves, the enemy's moving at the same time. When God moves on your life, the enemy's moving on your life at the same time. And the choice is yours of which way you're going to go. But whoever you go to, that's who you're going to be a slave to. 
And see, you ought to always be thinking about that. If God has moved in my life, look for some opposition because the enemy's moving too. And he's not going to move afterwards. He want to move at the same time because he want here. He don't want you to be able to decipher between the two because his is going to look so much like it. That's why you better be glad you're in a teaching ministry so you can know the difference. You can know the difference. You say, hmm, that sounds good, but nah, I know the principle. Hmm. And then sometimes they, this generation, they get to this point, you know, it's my time. You know, that, 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 that new saying now, I'm living my best life. You know, sometimes it has to be my time. Some of you are having children, listen, before you was completed as a person. Oh, we think that we're good parents because we clean them up. Make them look cute. Make sure we buy them something. But you're not even complete as a person. You never completed that. What do you think you have to give them? Oh, mind them. I mean, that's just what you're going to do. Every parent do that. Sinners do that. Keep them clean and take care of them and things. But you start having children and never became completed yourself. Never said, you know what, before I jump into this, I need to complete some things about myself. I need to be complete. Oh, you could say that you're done with this and you're going to do this. You're not. Because you're not, you're not used to completing anything. But don't worry. God's got it. He, let me tell you, I know you, all of you all would like me to jump on that deal. Just tell me how to start over. But no, you've got to learn something first. See, that's see, we want to get to that. Just show me how to start over. I just, no, 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 no. That's our problem. You need to learn something before you get to that subject. I need to, I need to teach a whole array of stuff before you get to find out how to start over. You want to skip everything. That's why you have gaps in your knowledge. That's why you don't know. Skip all of that. Just get us to, let us start over. I'm just ready to start over. No, you're not. You're used to completing anything. You're not ready to start over. You have to learn some things. That means you can't be missing. Because ain't no subject when. As acting pastor, I can get up here anytime. So you miss, you be like, ah, and it's just not the same on that well. It's hard according to how hungry you are, but see, when you're an unfinisher, you just do that anyway. So we have to understand that you haven't even, it's so many things that you haven't completed. You need to stop. It's not about you. It's not about you. Let me tell you something. Those of you, especially those of you that are young in marriage, anybody been married 20 years, 20 years and down, you haven't been married a long time. Did you hear me? You haven't been married that long. 20 years and down, you haven't been married that long. But let me give you a surprising thing. Marriage is not about you. 
Marriage is not about you. I bet I messed some people up right now. But it's not. You know what? Let, let me let me go here. I'm 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 gonna I'm, I'm gonna come on down to that. Oh yeah, I got time. Let me go. When you maximize the dispensation, right? Number one, God is glorified through you. To glorify God means I am in a position and have the power to magnify God in the earth. The number one thing I hear from generation from this generation is people saying Christians are hypocrites. Why? Because they can't see God in them. We should make sure that they see God in us. Not according to their word, but according to the word of God. We have to show love at all times. They should see God in us. They come back here and they see people 10 and 15 years and they say, Oh, they're doing the same thing. Acting the same way. That means that you have not completed yourself as a member and understanding what you need to do. You have to change. You got to complete some things. You go back over the course of your life and you ask yourself, in all the dispensations that have occurred in your life, how many of them have God been glorified with in your life? Ask yourself, even when you get home, you know, over the course of my life, how many things have I done where God has really gotten the glory? I'm going to leave that with you. Are you in John 17? Look at verse 1. Read it again, so I want you to follow it. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, thou hast come. Glorify thy Son, and thy Son also may be glorified in thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou had gave, gave me to do. Listen to me. When you finish or when you complete something, you must finish his work. You got to complete God's work. You cannot complete a work that you're doing yourself and call it God. You got to complete his work. I say this to you, church. The things that God has placed in your heart to do is not your work. The things that God has placed in your heart to do is not your work. It's His work. See, you got to know that. It's His work. I dare us not do His work. God has given us all a work to do. You didn't come up, you know, come up with this. It's His work. When we maximize this dispensation, letter B, God's will is made clear. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, that God has made everything clear. That He said, I've made it clear that this is the will of God. You go write Romans down so you can go back and look at it. There is no greater time than the time that we live in where people need to see God's will in the earth. We live in... There is so much happening in this country today. God, God's will needs to be seen. And it has to be seen through us. 
I'm going to say this again. I have to say it. Those of you that's been married under 20 years, marriage is not about you. See, because see, that's one of the things that stop us from getting to where God needs to. Let me tell you. You didn't get married for you. Marriage is not about you. If you got married for you, you should have stayed single. If you were concerned about you, you should have stayed unmarried. Marriage had nothing to do with you. And the intentions of marriage, the intent of marriage, listen, is not for you to be happy. See, that's our mind, that's our mindset. And it would be married, is it to be wedded, is it be happy? The intention of marriage is not for you to be happy. The purpose of marriage is not for you to be happy. The goal of marriage is not for you to be happy. You get married as Christians to represent the union between Christ and the church. To raise a godly seed. See, most people, (laughs) we've heard that so many years. Nobody gets married for that reason. (laughs) To represent Christ and the church. To raise a godly seed. No, everybody wants to get married to be happy. And it's not intended. Just like I tell you, I said, you can have as many babies as you want to. It ain't going to make your marriage work because babies are not created to make a marriage work. So you can get married you know, over and over again. And you can marry and you can stay married, whatever. But it's not going to make you happy. It's not created to make you happy. It's created to represent Christ and the church. So that you can represent and you can present, you can have raise a godly seed. You ought to get married to it because somebody needs to see clearly what the will of God is. See, we don't get married for stuff like that. <laughs> That's on them. No, you're representative. Me and Pastor Hill purposed ourselves that we would make sure that this congregation saw a good marriage and seen what the will of God was and still is. You marry to make sure that somebody's going to see the will of God, what it is. I'm going to raise the godly seed. I'm going to be a foundation in which my children can build their lives. You get married because families need to see the institution of marriage in the family. Part of the reason why we struggle to maintain our struggle in marriage is because we never listen, we never maximize or complete getting married. Listen to me closely. And, and then God put this here for a reason. And you listen up. The reason why you can't maximize your marriage, you want to know the reason why you, you can't maximize your marriage? 20 years and under. 
25 and under years. You can't maximize your marriage because you're still dating somebody that you've been to the altar with. <laughs> you see, you can't take dating into marriage. <laughs> dating in a marriage. That's nothing. That don't work. See, we take dating into marriage. You're dating someone that you took to the altar. You're trying to make a marriage out of a dating thing. <laughs> you better get this. You better get it. See, the, now, I'll tell you, the intent of dating is to be happy. Just dating is happiness. The purpose of dating is happiness. Once we go on a date, I'm happy. Let's go to the movie. I'm happy. And see, so you get you get married, and you let me go to the movie tonight. I'm happy. Uh, that's not marriage. See, so you're dating in a marriage. <laughs> see, if that's where you want your happiness, it's in dating. But the t- intent of marriage is to maximize and complete something. That God has a day. You know, I've discouraged some people here, haven't I? <laughs> You'll be okay. I, well, maybe I discourage you enough for, <laughs> to make a better decision. Too many wrong decision making. And it affects everybody. Let her see. We must maximize this dispensation so others can see God's faithfulness in us. Listen, if you can't make it in this... Let me tell you. You all have the advantage over a lot of churches. I don't care how packed they are. You got the advantage. Because let me tell you, we teach a good word. And if you can't make it with the advantage, tell me this. How can you minister to the disadvantage? See, when you maximize and complete something, then it gives you hope, gives hope to somebody. They say, wait a minute. If they can do it, I can do it. It gives hope. They see it. If God can work through them, God can work through me. But you being the advantage, how can you, you have to be able to minister to the disadvantage. But if you don't complete, then you can. Number two. Let me finish this up. When we maximize, we can move to the next level of of productivity. Listen, when you don't complete something, you become stagnant. A lot of people in here are stagnant. I've come to realize that something, that sometimes you, you know, some people don't want to move to the next level. But you need. You don't want to move to the next level of productivity because you don't trust God. Oh, you say you do, but you don't trust God. And you've really fallen in love into the state that you're in instead of with, you know, with, with the, all the different instructions that you're getting. Mm-mm. You've fallen in love with just where you are. I just want to go to church, say it's a good word, and that's it. My life is just where it is. There are people in this church you need to 
finish. You need to, you need to complete to what God, you know what? God is tired of you in the same spot that you're in. God is tired of it. Now, if you ain't heard that, it's amazing to me how people can hear everything from God. <laughs> but this, God told me this. God said that, and God said that, and God's showing you things about your children, and you're playing like you can't see that and can't hear that, and you do. God's showing you things about your spouse, and you can't, you can't hear that, you can't do that. He's showing them about your job, you can't do. No, you can't hear nothing but what they tell you that favors you. That's not God. Last scripture. Go to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. Where am I? Let me get there. Philippians chapter 2. Last scripture. We maximize and complete. God always has something. Always know that. Whenever you complete something, God has something better for you. You want to know why you haven't gotten anything better? You haven't completed something. You've got to complete something first. Once you complete something, then God has something better for you. See, you, ne- you ought to now want to be in a certain position forever where God is always giving me something better. Always having something better for me. Now this is talking about Jesus. Or it's talking... Yeah, it's talking about Jesus. Verse 5. What did I say? Philippians chapter 3. I mean 2, I'm sorry. Verse 5. Are you there? It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in a form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. I like that. And being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore God also promoted him, hath highly exalted him and given him a name of that which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow everything in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father church when you maximize and complete a work God can trust you ask yourself can God trust me you know why God can trust you? Because you are li- you're not living your life unto yourself. Not to yourself. Then he can trust you. He said, oh no, you still, it's still all about you. You're still trying to save yourself. You're still trying to make sure that you get happy. When you maximize, let it be, and complete something, God can use you. Oh, I want God to use me. No, you don't. Because you ain't doing nothing about it. God cannot use you if he can't trust you. But if he can trust you, I promise you, he will use you. Think about this. In the natural. Just, it's just in the natural. You know when you're at school or wherever you are, even at work. Notice this. People that complete something, they're always picked. People that finish stuff. They're always chosen. I mean, on your job. If you ask somebody to help you, you pick somebody that's a finisher. 
You pick somebody that you know gonna help you get this done. Like you, I mean, you even walk over there sometimes. You know what? Let's take it a little further. This is how you know. All children are different. You have more than one children. You have children that are different. You know which one can help you get something done. You even go up to him. You almost ask one. You be talking, uh, no. Uh, you go do this. Stand up. And it's because you know the difference. You know one that can finish. You know one that won't. You know, it don't have nothing to do with your love. You know. You know somebody at work, you be like, oh, no, I ain't asking them to help me do nothing. They tell is lazy. Mm-mm. All right, we need to get this project done. You're going to go to somebody that can complete something. Always. They're going to look for the one that's going to complete something. Not the lazy one. They mumbling that behind your back. Mm-mm, mm-mm, don't get her, don't get her. Mm-mm. I mean, how many of us do? We know our children. We know the ones that's going to get it done. And we know the ones that are not. Well, God is the same way. He can't use you. He can't trust you. He won't. He won't. Did you hear me? He can't trust you. He won't use you. Then let her see. God we must maximize this dispensation so God can promote us. When Jesus finished, God exalted him. Listen, it's a blessing and a disappointment when you've been in a church and you can look at others. And you can say and you can watch. Now see, this, this is what's, what's sad. You can look at others and you've you watched them over the years. And you've seen how God has moved you. And you see how God had moved them. And you look at it and you be like, Yeah, I seen where they came in after me and God has moved them. Why hadn't God moved you too? How come God haven't moved you too? See, that's disappointing. When you can look at somebody and say, oh, you know, you know, they've they, they really been a blessing. They've been here. Yeah, oh, yeah. But why aren't you there? Why aren't you there? That person should not have been the only one moving. Those should not have been the only one moving. You should have been moving too. When we maximize and we finish, we bless the lives of others. Listen, when you complete something, you provide a foundation for others to build. You want to have a foundation so others can build on. And if you don't complete nothing, it's not a foundation. Jesus finished, and then he said, Now, upon this rock, I'll build this my church. Listen, we ought to be little rocks now. He finished it. We ought to be little rocks on the big rock. Something ought to be able to be built when you get through. And the Bible says, and the gates of hell should not prevail against the church, against what you do, because you, you, you completed something. And I like Peter's name mean rock. <laughs> Upon this rock, Peter... He said, little rock, here, upon this big rock. And when we finish, God will provide an opportunity for others. God wants, God's giving you an opportunity.
God, Jesus said, I've, I've, I've completed the work. Now they have life. Now they have life. When, I, when we finish something, when we complete something, people ought to have an opportunity because you completed something. Greater works for others should you have. When you maximize and you complete something, that we should provide a greater work. Somebody else should come along and go on. They should come on, pick up the work and keep it going. There's a spiritual outcome to a natural state that you've got to bring forth. It should be everybody. It should be that everyone in here leaves somebody with a greater work. Every one of us. Every minister in here, pastor left us with a greater work. He left us with a greater work. And what, we got, what are we going to do with it? He did his part. He's going to another level. Now what are we going to do? And I get it. Grief comes and it goes. And it comes to us all the time. And it comes and goes. But you still got to finish the work. He didn't labor all those years for this ministry, for the ministers that was under him, to just let everything just go by the wayside. It's time to push forward. A greater work. He said, I don't expect you all to do what I did. I expect you all to do a greater work. It's time. And it should be true of all of us. Every one of us. I want us to know. I want us to teach. I want to teach. I want every minister to teach us the right way to complete some things. Become the finishers that we can be. If we can complete, if you can just complete one thing. You know what? I'm going to put a challenge out. When we start this fast, we're going to see who can complete it. Because see, by now, you should, be a, you, you, you should have got enough of all about food. And if you're going to get hungry, you, you should have dealt with that. You've had enough time to go through the scriptures and get yourself served. You, 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 we're going to see. Because see, everything new don't last long. It's what you do after the newness well. Oh, I'm in this. I'm in this. Well, what if we have all night visuals? What time will you come? Oh, you start off good because it's new. But how long is it? If you don't last new long, then you'll see the great falling away. And God would just do a process before he shows up. And then we'll see. Send to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.